What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different, we can have our own opinions, have our own views, and have those conversations in a respectful way. Because respect needs to be given, it needs to be earned, and I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions, can have a platform, and we can work and talk together, and so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought, alternative thought, and I, I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions but you know as I've said before there is no such thing as a wrong opinion opinions are like noses everybody's got one the exchange of views fair debate no cancelling no interrupting no aggressive responses we want to hear what people have to say whatever side you're on and the listener the consumer with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. You're with Reality Check Radio. This is Counterculture, and I am Marie. I am so excited to talk to this next guest. All the way from the USA, Scott Nugent has been somebody who has been at the forefront of the fight against the transitioning, medical and surgical transitioning, especially of children. His website, Trey Voices, is definitely something you need to check out. We're going to talk about that more, including his tour, but welcome to you, Scott. It's so good to talk to you here on Reality Check Radio. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, look, we just appreciate you making some time. Your story is incredible. I first came across you with the Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman?, which opened my eyes to so many things. Yeah, and your testimony in that was really emotional. And But I tell us a little bit more about your journey with this. Tell us how Kelly became Scott. Well, um, I'm I'm no different than than the children that believe that they're transition today. Um, the same kind of the same kind of background, and truth is not bigotry. And the truth is is that these children that are uh, trying to medically transition don't fit in, and neither did I. I was a couple of years ahead in school. Um, I was I was just I was a little odd. I was same sex attracted. Um, I was you know well to give you an analogy in, in kindergarten. Uh, you know, I was three and a half. I was always younger anyways. And the teacher was reading a book and I grabbed the book and, and told her her inflections were wrong. So that that's about as far as fitting in as I, as I got. Um, so I had those comorbidities kind of thing or, or, or those kind of things that make you uh, not only fit in, but you actually do not fit in because, you know, we all feel like that at some time. Um, but I grew up and, uh, you know, came out as a lesbian and and I was, you know, successful as a business sales executive. Um, I was not a butch lesbian at all. Uh, nobody would think that I was, you know, a man or trying to be a man. Um, you can't be in, in business sales kind of thing. Plus, my grandma put, put me through uh, finishing school twice because I failed it the first time. Um, so <laughs> um, I wasn't somebody that you would look at and go, wow, that's a really masculine person. But I did have a strong personality, a really, really, really strong personality. And that made it different too. And as my life started to go, I started to kind of accept who I was and just say, you know, I'm, I'm different, but you know what, listen, I'm, I've got a great career. 
I can see around corners with strategic things that a lot of people can't. There's a gift. So maybe there's some gifts of be, you know, being uh, a little bit different. And then I fell in love with a, a woman who was just, just did not want to be a lesbian, was absolutely and completely and totally in love with me. Um, but it just nagged and nagged and nagged on her. And um, so years of, of her saying things like, and other people too, like my sister would say, oh my God, you, you'd be the perfect husband. You know, you just, you know, the way you do it. And so I heard that from my family, you know, jokingly. And then my wife was like, you know, oh, you do that like men do that. And you do that like men do that. And you do, you know, and, and so it was kind of like beaten in my head. And I, it had crossed my mind over my life that, hey, you know what? I probably would have uh, fit in better if I was born a man. Um, but one night on the couch, I just kind of casually said, watching Jazz Jennings, you know, oh, God, I wonder if I was born in the wrong body. And uh, she's like, good on that. Cause she'd always say that I'm not gay. It's just you, <laughs> you know, cause you're a man. Mm. And so anyways, the next week I found myself in uh, a therapist's office, a trans woman therapist's office, very vulnerable at that point. And one of the first things that she said to me was how long have you been dressing like a man? And I kid you not, I went from just looking at her like this to I guess all my life caught me right there. Mm. And so that was, that was a sentence that has completely changed the trajectory of my life. So for the next two years, or excuse me, for the next two weeks, I was, you know, beyond depressed. I was embarrassed. I was mortified thinking that I had gone through my whole life. And, you know, when I passed by people would whisper, yeah, that's, you know, really a dude doesn't know. (laughs) And so I kind of felt like a joke. Um, But then after that, you know, kind of wore off, you know, I went to a gynecologist and uh, the gynecologist said, you know, have you ever had yourself checked for being intersex? You have a really strong, you know what, it's too much. You know, you probably are not. And so it was like more validation. And then um, there are some people that start to medically transition and it takes a long time. It was, it was almost instantly with me. You know, I went from never, uh, (laughs) I went from looking like, you know, the dark hair and business suit uh, to, you know, a dude in, in like four weeks, people were using different pronouns. It was very, it was very kind of um, affirming, you know? Yeah. And so how old were you when all of this was happening? 42. So oh, I was older, wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, so, that's, I mean, I, I've, I've come from a medical background and the biggest thing they drum into you is um, fully informed consent. It sounds like with that length of process, it sounds like it wasn't informed consent, but as you said, affirmation, did you feel like that you were given all the information that you required to make such a life-changing decision at that time? No, I was not. And there was nothing online. The only cautionary uh, person uh, that wasn't even trying to be cautionary was when I first went in for uh, you know, hormones, which was like, I think like seven days later, I got it prescribed to me after my big, you know, reveal. Oh yeah, it takes a long time to get hormones. No, it doesn't. Um, but, you know, for, for me, the only thing that kind of gave me a little pushback was my doctor that said that I don't know uh, how much to give you. Uh, it's really experimental. I don't know. What I do know is that we have to take you from an estrogen driven, you know, body to mm. a testosterone driven body. And to do that, we've got to give you massive amounts of testosterone to Estrogen, yeah. So, so we're taking suicidal kids and we're doing like three times doses of cross-sex hormones. And we wonder why, you know, they're shooting people. Um, 
Well, and testosterone, let's face it, isn't exactly, if you've raised teenage boys, testosterone doesn't exactly calm you down. You know, that's funny. For some people, you are absolutely right, but I am a truth person through and through. I will tell you, I do not know why. (laughs) You know how people that have attention deficit all the way around, they take Ritalin, they kind of calm down. Yeah, That was me for testosterone. It actually really calmed me down. And that was another affirmation thing for me. Mm. Um, so it, it, it affects people differently, but in the majority, you're right. It, it does change it uh, from that for a lot of people, but that was the only, that was the only cautionary uh, tale. So, you know, it was at that moment when, when I, I started to then seriously look back at my life uh, when I was born, what I did. And I realized that I would go from not fitting in you know, to loved, but, you know, kind of tried rebalancing, you know, girls don't do that to uh, the epitome of what every alpha male wants as a son. I mean, I would have been like the prize son. I mean, my father was a professional athlete. I, you know, (laughs) I got soccer scholarships, that kind of stuff could have gone on. And I think, God, if I was a man, I probably would have been, uh, you know, a professional athlete for a couple of reasons. I'd be a boy and they'd be more invested in it, more opportunity, um, take it more seriously. I probably would have done that. Um, I would have, you know, went from not having anybody, you know, interested in me in high school that I was interested in girls to, you know, probably like the, the football, you know, high school thing. And then I, I think of my, you know, uh, you know, early adult life, trying to figure out all this and try to figure out where I, I, I fit. And I realized, well, God, my life would be drastically, drastically uh, different if I was, it would be better if I was born a male. And that's the problem right there, right? Mm. Uh, because people come all different ways. And, and that's one of the reasons why people are so uh, gravitating towards towards gender medicine. It, it's about fitting in. And unfortunately, it doesn't make you fit in. What it does is it gives you a false hope that uh, you're going to fit in. So when you start uh, hormones, you know, the only short-term studies that say that these kids, you know, are better suicide, you got to read further into that. There's basically only uh, not very many people in the study, uh, not very long. And of course they feel better because it's like, I figured out what was wrong with me. When I start taking cross-sex hormones, I'm going to fit in. And then you start taking cross-sex hormones and then you go, yep, that didn't help. But people are misproning me. They're such bigots. When that stops, I'll feel better. And then, nope. Okay. So when, so you, you, were just, yeah. when you were starting these hormones, sorry, when you were starting these hormones, did you continue with counseling or therapy through that time? Or did you just, they gave you your prescription and said, here you go, um, Scott, fill your boots. And you just carried on and basically built up your new world and created your new life. I mean, was there anybody at any point that said, right, this is what's happening. Are you sure about this before we go on to surgical transition? You know, or is it, did they just let you go and affirm you every single step of the way? I didn't, I didn't have therapy uh, after that. I did right before the last surgery that made me really, really, really sick. Um, I was kind of questioning whether or not I should do it. Um, also kind of getting a little bit of uh, irritation towards my wife, you know, that was so invested on making sure that people didn't know, uh, you know, I was transgender and it was just like all that focus and it just felt, felt so narcissistic and self uh, indulging that it, it started to get me to kind of pull away and just be angry. Uh, so I went to a therapist and I, I wish I, I shit you not. Um, now keep in mind, I was, you know, younger and I was in shape and all that kind of stuff. And, mm. 
And this, when I told the therapist that I was, I, you know, was questioning, um, she said, why would you? If, if I met you on the street, I would want to date you. You're, uh, you know, an attractive man. You're this. It fits you perfectly. I mean, it, it's obvious that you're a man. And I remember leaving going, well, I guess, you know, I guess that's that. Um, so, no, nobody was there mm. to help to ask those questions, to make me deep dive. And that's an interesting, interesting question, because I'm writing my biography, and there's a, a writer by the name of Barbara Kane, Canada. And I remember I sent her like a chapter or something. And she goes, you need to figure out why you medically transitioned. You need to figure it out. And um, sitting down and going through that and figuring out why I did that was, was quite mortifying and embarrassing that at 42, you know, I was, I was reduced to, to a child, you know, to a child that, <laughs> you know, just a fairy tale land. And, and that's why I say that, you know, if I cannot figure this out at 42, children don't have a cure. They don't have a, no, they don't have a they chance. No, they haven't got a chance. Yeah. They haven't got a chance. Mm-hmm. So what are some of these myths? Because I know that uh, if you try to have a difficult conversation with anybody who is very pro gender affirmation they mm-hmm. will throw out all of these talking points suicide is usually at the top of that list what are some of the myths around transition um, transition that you found in your experience that just simply aren't true well here's the thing there's 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 all different puzzle pieces to put this together to kind of figure out what's going on very few people have all those puzzle pieces i do i do because um i got sick from it I had to figure out what was wrong with me on my own. I had to figure out how experimental it was. I have children at the age that, that they're, you know, doing this to children on top of I'm older, uh, that kind of stuff. And so from that perspective, actually researching, reading WPATH, reading all these things, figuring out that, you know, hey, trans medicine, and this is not a want of bigotry. The reality is, is that medical transition is absolutely unequivocally 95% experimental, period, 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 period. So much so that I've never been caught off guard by anybody except that um, woman in St. Louis that came out, you know, at the gender clinic, the queer married to a trans man. She came out and said, yeah, this is awful. It's even worse than experimental. We're not even keeping track. We don't even know what's happening with our kids and the ones that are coming back are not doing well. And that shocked me that it's actually worse than, than uh, not experimental. So I have all those puzzle pieces and it got me to read everything. It got me to look at everything because I was trying to save my own life. And in the process, you, you grab more puzzle pieces. Like, let's talk about the, the suicide thing, right? So that's a puzzle piece. And that's a huge puzzle piece because if you're a parent, you go to a counseling session and you've got Junior sitting next to you and you we're sitting on both sides of, of our child and, and the counselor says, oh yeah, uh, you need to affirm and medically transition your son or daughter or whatever, or they're going to kill themselves. I mean, there's, you don't go anywhere after that. You don't. The only place to go is what? Um, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, we're not going to medically transition our son, but we're, so we need to go get a casket and we probably need to save some money. So half us on this counseling. Thank you. I mean, it doesn't allow anybody to go anywhere. And I believe that that is absolutely unequivocally criminal. I do. I think that people are going to go to jail for that because the truth is, is that there's only one long-term study that followed the medicalization of human beings in Sweden, which is the uh, biggest country for gender medicine, also a country two months ago that halted and and banned all childhood medical transition. Um, And that study found 
what I have always already always said, this is this is such a long process uh, that they found seven to ten years after following for thirty years, seventy two to two thousand three, uh, eight hundred uh, excuse me, three hundred twenty four trans people that these trans we get the most suicidal seven to ten years after we medically transition, and the reason is is because that's when you finish the process. And that's when you have to, you know, look left and right. Mm. Did that help? And then you have to deal with all the complication issues. Um, so that suicide clause is not only incorrect, it's criminal. Mm. Absolutely unequivocally. I, I, again, I think people are going to go to jail uh, for that. So the truth is this, is that we're taking children that are suicidal. We are dosing them with uh, puberty blockers, which has 10,000 complaints against children and, and precocious puberty. Uh, you know, an organization that was sued in 2003, false advertising and bribery by the U.S. government, deemed a criminal enterprise for basically lying $824 million fine, more than the Oxycontin. <laughs> this is the company that's saying, you know, puberty blockers are, are safe. Um, so I totally lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. So, but picking up on that with the puberty blockers. So in What is a Woman, um, Chicken mm -hmm. Lady, as I like to call her, she talked about puberty blockers and she was just going on about how wonderful and safe they were and how you could just put a pause on puberty and turn it on and turn it off and, and do all of that. I, I I just, I found that really difficult to believe that that was you the want case. To know the truth? Yeah, what is the yeah, truth? The truth is that? this: is the truth is this. Um, puberty blockers uh, block puberty, right? Um, our bodies, and this is amazing that I'm talking about this, and and they are doctors. I mean, again, that's why I think it's criminal. Um, so our body has a timeline that is by genetics DNA, right? So our body is going to, you know, kind of raise a flag when we're supposed to do stuff. You know, when when our brain needs to start growing as as babies, or you know, when we start to grow our sexual organs or whatever. There's a timeline during that. And um, puberty blockers stops that. And there are things that if you stop, you can't go back and start back up. You can't go back to the time where you're supposed to develop a brain, you know, brain development. You can't go back to places where you're, you're uh, actually your bones are, are fusing together, that kind of stuff. That time is lost. And that's why the truth is, is we're seeing early onset osteoporosis with these kids. We are seeing a bone damage. We are seeing in Sweden, there's a documentary that shut down the entire medicalization of children. They're finding girls, uh, spines are not fusing together properly. They're finding uh, that these children are, are having heart and lung issues. They are finding that uh, these kids have the size of hearts and lungs of 11 and 12 year olds because they pass by that time period at 19 and 20, never to go back. Um, so the truth is this, puberty blockers have never, ever, 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 ever been studied long-term, ever, ever. So they don't know what's going to happen to these kids, but what the media is suppressing would shock people to death. And um, the, the damage that they are causing by not being truthful to these people is unequivocally horrid. So first of all, puberty blockers are not safe. They are not reversible. They cause major, major damage. But if you get a kid on puberty blockers, the odds of them going to synthetic hormones is pretty much you know, 99%. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a medical patient for life, you know, 1.5 million for synthetic hormones. Yeah, follow the money. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's a financial so, 
situation. I one of the things I find is that with this now that they're hitting the kids. So, I mean, when I was growing up, and I actually knew some trans um, transsexuals many years ago, and they the process in this country at least for gender transition was long, like years and years and years, and it involved. I thought so too. Yeah, and it involved a lot of counselling, it involved a lot of discussion. You know, if you made it all the way to the end of that process and you were completely committed to that, they felt that that was um, the right process for you. So whereas now it is just one appointment and you're prescribed a medical um, medicines that can be life-changing. Yeah, why why is that? You tell me. I well, I just keep for me it just keeps coming back to um, two things one ideology and two money because in this country we've socialized medicine so there isn't the financial interests like you have in the United oh, oh, hold States. Hold on, we, we make puberty blockers. You guys, trust me, you pay for them. You might not pay for them, for, but your country does. So somebody's getting paid, and you know that's a U.S. government. So you, you guys are throwing us money that way. So yeah. you might not do it personally, but money is being made. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's it's I it's something that um I just find absolutely mind blowing. The other thing too I want to talk about too is with these kids, right? You know, we talked about a little bit before we came on, but came live. But I can't, I just can't help feel that this whole push for transition is stealing away the lives of um thousands and thousands of what would be little gay and lesbian children growing up into wonderful same-sex attracted adults that are now being having that life stolen away from them what do you think around that well it's 42 percent of the boys medically transitioning would grow up to be gay uh 67 percent or 62 percent of of girls less would grow up to be to be lesbians so that takes us back to a comorbidity right Mm. um and the comorbidity always comes back to one thing different it always comes back to, to, to being different. Yeah. And, you know, being different takes a long time to uh, realize that it's kind of a superpower. You know, if you look at history, I don't know of any person that is just normal and everybody like, like everybody else that did anything, you know, extraordinary. They're all different people. Um, so th- that's the target for those kids. Now, if that target was Joe Bob quarterback or cheerleader, that would not happen. It's happening because it is easy prey. Uh, it's happening because people, uh, medical industry, thinks that they are doing these kids a favor. And that's what absolutely flabbergasts me, is you cannot look at this debate. You cannot. You can, it's the reason why nobody will debate me. Because you cannot look at this and look at all the studies and look at it from an angle of grace and love and understanding and acceptance and take the facts that you come away with that and still be for medically transitioning kids, unless you're making money, unless you're getting kind of off on it as a parent, you know, with all the attention, um, or you are crazy as hell. And that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. You can't walk away from it. Every time you get a puzzle piece in this, you'll get angrier and angrier and angrier. You're like, it can't get any worse than this. Like, for example, seven studies that said that medically transitioning children was a absolute, absolute cure-all. Every single one of them has been either 100% retracted or modified to not enough time, not enough participants to, you know, say if, if this is beneficial or not. But once again, the reason why I think handcuffs are coming, those are still the pamphlets that, you know, 
parents are getting that that are telling them that it's a, it's a cure all, and that is wrong on so 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 many levels. And the truth is, is that these kids that are suicidal will get more suicidal. You just have to give them a little bit of time, and they will, and they will. And here's why: because we're selling them out right now. This is a political issue. I've never ever been in activism. I've never voted before. Never, ever, ever. I'm doing this because I think it needs to be done. Um, but the polarization of our world right now is causing blind spots. It's causing us to come to a festering violence. It's, it's coming up, right? Because we're pushing back on this kind of stuff. And it's going to get worse if we don't find our grace and we don't find a way to kind of grab hands with everybody and figure out how to change this because social media in itself is almost entirely responsible. All the social media stars, you know, all those people that want to get that stuff on the internet, want to get more likes, want to get more monetized, want to do this, want to do that, are doing salacious things, creating a divide, you know, of them versus us. And that's kind of a cult thing, right? All right, this person is horrible. You don't associate with them. They will hurt you. They will kill you. They will do bad things to your children, everything like that. Let me explain to you uh, how I can save you. No, 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 don't look back. No, 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 come on. Mm. And, and it's, it's making, you know, everything within that box you have to fit. And if you don't agree with something within that party, you kind of go. And so social media in general, I think needs a absolute shame on them because it's a, it's a private entity. And they can also take money and suppress certain things, which they are. I'll tell you, since Elon took over uh, Twitter, things have rapidly, rapidly changed with people uh, starting to listen to me. But um, right now, we have no idea what's going on. With, and we're festering. We're festering to violence. And we need to really, 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 really be careful because there's no joke. It's not you, about followers anymore. It's not about popularity. You so. had a fantastic uh, speech on Twitter that was uh, released last week that I just, it was so moving. What sort of reaction now? I mean, the fact that you've been able to get that out now, it's now no longer censored. Have you had a reaction? Has anyone from the mainstream reached out and said, oh, Scott, okay, we didn't realize this was going on? Or is it nothing to see here? Move along, move along. Well, after that, after that speech, that was like a month ago that I did that speech. And that was a speech because there was a senator that did a medically transitioning uh, children bill. And the uh, media just absolutely ran him through the, the ground as being, um, you know, bigot, that kind of stuff. So when he introduced it again, he wanted me to, uh, you know, speak about it um, from that point of view. Out of everybody that heard that in the media, there was one person that uh, came into contact with me. And her name was Brittany Bailey. She is a news anchor in Ohio. And she did so uh, by making fun of me and adding me on Twitter. That was a reaction that happened. But um, it only takes one person to grab something and then it can go viral. Mm. So this is the first time that, that a video that I've done it has gone viral because I've been doing this almost five years. I've been kicked off of Twitter uh, six times. You know, everybody wants to get to the 100,000 persons. So they get the monetization. I don't care about that. I want to stop this. So I get kicked off and then I do not conform. I come back on and start doing the same thing, get 20, 30,000 followers and I get kicked off and then I you know, do it again and get kicked off and I do it again and I get kicked off. I mean, Newsweek was the first article to ever talk about anything about medically transitioning children. I wrote that. It took years for people to do it. And so the 
the way this is getting noticed is by basically running your head into the wall because unfortunately, not all, unfortunately, um, activism is a business. I didn't realize that, by the way. Um, I realize that now. It's a business. There are some social media stars that are absolutely, completely, and totally narcissistic all about themselves. And they're talking about situations uh, that's going to lead to a very, very, very dangerous place. At some point, we have to step back and hold the leaders on social media and, and news to do the right thing uh, because we're heading to a very, very bad place. We need to find our grace. Yeah. The political aspect is definitely something that even we've seen in this country in recent events that happened here. You know, when Posey Parker came to New Zealand, she, uh, our political leaders spoke out negatively. We had uh, members of parliament uh, at the protest protesting against her. So there was definitely a political element there. And I, I just can't help feeling between the political elements, the financial elements, and the ideological elements, um, you know, you've got those three factions and all they're doing is maiming, hurting, and killing our kids. Am, am I missing something? No, no, you're not. And, you know, here's, here's the truth, whether or not anybody likes it or wants to hear it or not. There is a sexual fetish that trans women have in a high percentage, not all of them. And that fetish is basically being turned on by the idea of being a woman and having a woman attracted to them, kind of like straight men who, who have this kink, right? So this is a fetish that only gets fed if you play into their delusion, which is, uh, trans women are women, um, the pronoun thing. It's the reason why the trans women are so aggressive with this and going after uh, sports and all that kind of stuff. Because if you push back on them, they lose their erection. Honestly, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and so they are getting to the point where they're kind of bubbling over. And here's another truth is that social media and the news have lifted some people that are very, very, very severely mentally ill. We have somebody running our health system right now who is absolutely convinced that he is a woman. Um, and the pronoun thing, I mean, I'm sorry, but you are not sane enough to run a conga line if that's the case. You need to know that a biology is real. It's cosmetic surgery. We deserve all kinds of respect, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's not life-saving. And so we have these leaders in place that on a majority have this, uh, you know, have this sexual fetish and they are starting to get pushed back upon, which means like my uh, videos and other videos are starting to kind of hit home. And like I said, when you start to see it, it's just going to be like, oh my God, this can't get worse kind of thing. And the ball, ball's uh, starting to roll downhill. Well, mm -hmm. what happens to a toddler that you've taken to Walmart for five years or excuse me, a couple of months and giving them a candy. What happens when you go in and say, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, they throw that, a tantrum. That, they throw a tantrum, right? And, and they keep jacking it up, jacking it up. And then they cry and you walk around the corner and you like look at them. They're like, and then they, they don't think that you're looking there. And then they see, Wah! that's what's happening. So we've got like toddler mentally ill men that have fetishes um, that don't want their erections to be messed with. And that's the truth. That is the absolutely unequivocally the truth. After um, the Posey Parker incident here, we actually had, there was a tweet that has went quite viral in this country of someone in exactly that situation that said they got a boner from seeing the fear in Posey's eyes. 
I mean, oh, yeah. it's sick. It's just so, so, so sick. And the yeah. ideological side of things is, I just find it completely fascinating because that's where what you're saying, if you've got someone leading your health system, that's where perceived reality and objective reality don't butt up. You've got people that are steeped in perception as, as everything and they're running what should be departments where objective truth is the only thing that matters and they're just not. So I just find that quite terrifying. It is. It, it's it's abs- It's terrifying um, because, you know, people don't know what's happening. People want to find, uh, want to be love, loving and tolerant. And I told you about this before the start, the rally that mm. I did in Missouri. And um, it was the first rally where evangelicals, gays and lesbians, liberals, Republican, we all had the whole rainbow talking about the medicalization of children. This bill was pretty much off the floor. It wasn't going to pass. But something happened when we got done with that rally. It was almost like the evangelical um, uh, senators, uh, the really conservative senators, got rid of that little bit of doubt because you know what? People are people. doesn't matter what their beliefs are. Nobody wants to hurt a child. And there was just this little, little bit of, oh, I don't want to hurt a child. And I could tell that um, they didn't have that solid fortitude. I'm not going anywhere. This is wrong. After that rally, they had it. The mm-hmm. AG signed an emergency ban on it after you know, I you know, did my uh, speech about all the, the, diff- the different facts. The senators that day went in, did not get out of the uh, Senate room. They would not leave. They would not change the uh, bill until it was everything was banned and there was a connect there. That's the connect that needs to happen. But unfortunately that connect, that connect has to happen with social media leaders or political leaders all over who are relying on their monetization. They want to be more famous. They want to be more successful. So they want to be you know, responsible for stopping the medicalization of children. They want to do this and they want to do that. And, but unfortunately to do it, everybody has to be together encircled so society realizes that we have everybody in the room so you can't call us bigots now we need to talk about the facts and when you do it's exactly what happened with missouri which is holy shit i had no idea um so that needs to happen it needs to happen quick in terms of the rallies, I mean, I want because I want to talk about Trey Voices and the tour. In terms of the rally, like we had the dreadful violence scenes here. Have you come across any of that? Have you had protesters or people try to stop you speak speaking? Is is that something you've encountered? Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm doing that build to build, uh, state to state kind of thing. I've been spit on, I think twice. I've been pushed. Um, the Missouri thing though was was really frightening. Um, when I started to speak. They hate me. <laughs> uh, but when I started to speak, Antifa kind of came into the area just all at once. It was frightening. And, you know, with their things all over them. And um, it was when I started my speech and, you know, I kind of got teary eyed because all the gay people were there. All, everybody was there. And I was just so proud of us all. And, you know, I've been doing this for five years and finally we're gra- grabbing hands and then poof. Here comes Antifa and stopping. There's even a picture where there's somebody, one person's trying to stop them looking at me. And um, you know what? I, I looked at them and I just said, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. Because everybody deserves a voice. Everybody. And that's what our country is founded on. Would you like to speak to the leader? And the guy said, we're out. They turned around and walked away. Wow. So there is a way to pull out this festering violence. But see, that 
doesn't get news, right? Mm. That doesn't get me the pictures on Twitter. That doesn't get me the, uh, all the interviews. That doesn't make me, you know, somebody that everybody talks to. And you know what? That's all good for you know, the last 10 years or not. So, but now we have trans shooters shooting people. We have, you know, Posey got beat to a pulp. I think they, they punched a 70 year old Twice. in uh, Canada. Yeah, there was a trans woman that was yelling at this man who was trying to talk in an interview, not doing anything right in his ear like this. And there were cops, 20 cops watching, didn't even step in. And this dude was a huge man, trans was, you know, six foot four with a beard, and red lipstick, grabbed him and threw him like a toy. Yeah, trans women are women and threw him down and started beating him. And the, the cop was laughing. One of the cops was laughing like he oh. deserves it, you know, trying to do that. And, uh, you know, we had another dad that got punched in the face by uh, a trans woman. So we are pushing back on the toddler, but we have to understand that we're not pushing back on actual toddlers. Yes. We're pushing back on mentally ill men. We're pushing back on their erections. We're pushing back on pharmaceuticals uh, financial side. We are pushing back against dangerous, dangerous things. So at this time, if you want to stop this, if you want to save these children and you want to do it in the best way possible, find some organization or some leadership that is able to pull all that tense out and is there, you know, to make sure that they're saving children and not to get in news because this is not a time for that. It's mm. going to get bad. And um, this is no longer, I want more uh, followers, which is absolutely disgusting, I think, with this thing. Um, this is not about anybody else but saving children. Yeah. The tour, so what's, so what's, you've been touring around the United States at the moment. Where is the tour taking you? You've got more dates and more rallies planned. Are you planning to take this offshore? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been doing this, like I said, about five years. Um, the first bill that was ever written was written about five years ago in South Dakota. I helped write it. I've been doing this for so long. People have no clue. Um, and so every year around this time, I, I get super busy because everybody calls me out and I'm not able to do strategic, you know, planning with them. I'm not able to help them with word tracks, what to say to like pull out the, that's bigotry. It's, it's exhausting trying to do it. So I decided to take uh, 60 days off of work and, and focus solely on uh, bills, on state to state, bill to bill. Now we have passed, if you can believe it, seven states uh, into law to ban the medicalization of children this year. That's and this amazing. is one of the reason why the toddlers are getting pissed because they're seeing that their talk track is no longer working. I, I hear it on, on Twitter. My mom type people saying this, they're like, God, I'm on the news and they're saying all your, <laughs> they're saying all your stuff. You know, you can't call us bigger because we're all here. And all those talk tracks are starting to come back. That's what I did in sales, by the way, talk tracks. All those talk tracks are coming back at them, basically calling BS. You know, kids are going to kill themselves. No, they're not. The only long-term studies, 30 years. And it found that, you know, seven, 10 years, because mm. it's a long process and uh, you get to the end of it and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa it didn't work. And then, you know, it's the same thing that I've said. And so they're pushing back on that with, with talk tracks that make people kind of go. Yeah. Maybe that's working. Um, so those states, we're doing those states. And of course it's, it's getting really bad, really, really bad uh, with that. They're starting to lose some control, uh, but I'm focusing solely on that. But what I've, realized <laughs> what i've realized is that for some reason i don't know why i seem to be able to explain this in a way 
that people understand it. And maybe it is, you know, sincerity. I, you know, I got into this. A lot of people don't know why I got in this because I was very, very, very sick. And uh, I was getting reoccurring infection after reoccurring infection. Um, I couldn't find anybody in the state that I was in that could help me because, of course, trans health is experimental. I had to get a job so I can get insurance to have somebody in another state help me because that's not covered on a, on a state level. I worked for three months um, with an IV set tube in my arm. Before I went to work, I had to get IV antibiotics and then I would go to work. On the weekends, I would check in kind of a thing. 17 months of a reoccurring infection. It was awful. I had sleep deprived hallucinations. It, it was horrible and nobody knew why. Well, they, they found six inches of hair on the inside of my urethra, by the way. Um, and so it was causing infections and, and they fixed it. But there was at a point where I, I was in the bathroom and I was urinating and the pain was so bad. It wasn't the first time that I actually passed out. And I woke up in my own kind of like, you know, blood and urine. Now, keep in mind that this process, I've, I've lost everything. I, I couldn't think when you have infections, I mean, just trying to sell somebody something or, you know, remembering a date. I mean, I remember looking at my car and I had the keys in my car and I swore to, I started to cry. And I'm like saying, they, somebody probably thought I was crazy. I'm like, I can't figure out. I opened the fucking door. It, I mean, it was awful. Mm. It was awful. And um, I had no help. I was on my own. Um, my wife had left me. I lost my job, all money, everything. Uh, I couldn't take care of my kids. And so my kids were, um, with their other parent. And um, I woke up after passing out and I realized that uh, I'm dying. I mean, not like I think I might be dying or I'm sick and I'm kind of, you know, a little worried. I was like, I'm out of here. And it brought me elation and relief. I kind of went, thank God, nobody can handle this for too long. And then on the bathroom floor, I started to like have these visions of my children as babies, you know, growing up. And, and then I got to the, to the age that they were at. And that relief went to absolute horror. And, you know, it went to objecting fiercely and begging uh, not to die. And so it was at that moment that I, you know, whatever you believe in, I, I, I'm not a Christian, but God or whatever, I said, if you help me figure out how to do this, I swear. I swear I will do everything I can to get people to understand the surgery. I didn't know they were doing this to kids, by the way. I, I thought, you know, I'll put the surgery out and all that kind of stuff. It didn't take me long to, to realize what was happening to kids. So I'm here and I made that deal and I'm not going to undo that deal. Uh, and that's probably what needs to be done because I... <laughs> I don't care about those followers and money and all that. I don't play that game. And it has caused a lot of people to open up their minds. Um, but that is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for my children. I'm here. I can't yeah, quit. I was going to, you, you say you, you're there. I was going to ask you, have you ever thought about reclaiming Kelly? Well, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still okay. here. Uh, and, and here's the thing. When you medically transition, you can't have it both ways. Uh, when you medically, you can't say that medically transitioning is 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 uh, not reversible and dangerous. And then once you do it, you can't say that, oh, it's totally reversible and you need to go back. At some point, we've got to stop, stop just being concerned with, you know, followers and social media and left, 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 you know, a divide or 
look, see, I was right. I was right. I was right. I was right. Oh, look, I was right. I was right. And, and we have to look at it from, from a human standpoint and be honest with these kids. And here's the truth. We're telling these 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 9-year-olds, whatever, that the reason why they're awkward is because they were born in the wrong body. They accept that. And they're excited about that. And they go through the whole medical process until they hit about 2021 20, or whatever. Then they hit that seven to 10 year mark. And they realize, heck, I can't have kids. Um, I'm gonna have to wear diapers for the rest of my life because the bladder thing, um, you know, I'll never be able to have an orgasm. I've got heart issues, lung issues, bone issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this didn't help anything. I don't fit at all. And then they go out and start searching. And then they find, you know, feminists and, and conservatives and all that kind of stuff that, that want to, which is not all of them, but, you know, wanting to lift and be right, you know, the detransitioners. And then we're doing exactly what we did to them when, when they're 11. Like, come on over here. This is perfect. This is going to help you, help you. Lights, 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 proud, 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 proud. Mm -hmm. Aren't you, oh, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you. And then those go away. And then we have these girls at 19 that have been taking testosterone for four or five years. They will always sound and look like a man. No matter what, you know, synthetic hormones are permanent. So at some point, you have to accept what you've done and you have to make a decision and you have to stick with it. I medically transition. I can never be Kelly. I can never go back to be Kelly. I'm sorry. And that's another thing. I could have done that and got really you know, famous on social media and all that kind of stuff. It is not the best way to approach this. Um, the best way to approach this is to be honest which is medical transition is a process. It's cosmetic surgery. It is not reversible. Once you do it, you changed things within your body. Once you go that route, I believe you're always transgender. Now you can go back and, and try to claim that whatever, but when you go back to that, just imagine, you know, being 19 years old, looking like a man, sounding like a man. And you got lifted all this kind of stuff, you do all, and then the lights go out and you're like, okay, D-Transit's back, Kelly's back. And then you walk in the grocery store and uh, you know, you walk up, hey, do you know where the, um, the apples are? Yeah, man, sir, it's uh, right over there. No, it's ma'am. Okay, so all right, here, I got my food up. Okay, are you ready? Oh yeah, I'll bring it on down, sir. Let's bring, it's ma'am. Having to do that for the rest of your life. Hmm. You know, and, and that's a hard thing to take on top of the fact that, testosterone changes things within you and if these girls have been on testosterone for five years boys start to go on puberty what like 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 21 so they go through puberty for about 10 years and there's a process if you if you watch boys they go from you know kind of you know kids to looking like you know cute feminine lesbians to a little bit more butch lesbians and then they start to look like you know young men and then they start to look like men right so five years into this is kind of like the um the lesbian butch kind of a stage so these these people will look like 17 year old boys sound like 17 year old boys for the rest of their life and that in itself is awful and that's the truth we're not telling people that so we need to go beyond the idea that there is any cure-all for anything if somebody wants to detransition they need to do so and it's also the reason why i do not promote detransitioners not because they're not important not because I, I help them. Actually, people don't know. I'm the, old, I'm the one they call when they get suicidal because they know I won't throw them under the bus. But at some point, we have to be honest with mm. these kids. We have to be honest. And doing that is kind of like a hard 
love. What can't happen, and they do not have the wherewithal to cover themselves and circle around and just try to figure out who they are. They're very, 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 very vulnerable. And shame on people who are trying to use them on either side. It really, really bothers me. Detransitioners, uh, it really bothers me because they go through that process and then they come to me at, at the end of it. And they don't do well. And it breaks my heart. It's the reason why I do not work with transgender or trans, uh, detrans. I'll, I talk to them and I, I go to rallies and stuff. I do not promote them or try to push them if they are under 25 no exception, or if they're over 25 and have been detransitioned less than three years. If there's somebody that has been detrans for over three years, then I feel safe with that. Other than that, I just think it's using people for my own benefit and I don't want to do that. No, it's, 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 it's just a reverse of what's already happening on the other side of the argument, isn't it? So if you, so for parents, if there is a parent out there who has got uh, their child, they think uh, struggling with some of these ideas, they've been influenced on social media, they want to get the truth to their children, is this where Trey Voices comes in? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, uh, so there's some things I've got like Ask Scott where people ask me questions and I'll answer it. Um, it's also a website that has all the studies. So if, if you're talking to people or you need studies about everything, it's in there. All the, you know, the seven retractive studies, all that kind of stuff that just makes you go, wow, 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 right there. Um, so it helps parents understand what, what's going on from, from that point of view. And it helps, uh, you know, parents understand how to talk to their children about um, the fact that they think that their gender dysphoria. I don't know what's happened to parents, but it seems like we have forgotten that parenting is a verb and it's difficult and it's hard and it's soul sucking, uh, but we love our kids and we do it because we love our kids. You know, if, if somebody, if I had my child that came to me and said that they were transgender at 12 years old, the first thing that I would say is you're 12 years old, okay? When I was 12, I was adamant that I was gonna be a, a country music singer. And you have heard me sing, and I can't even, uh, I can't even hit a note. I mean, it's awful. I mean, I'm not just saying that I'm a terrible singer, but you couldn't convince me that I wasn't going to be a singer um, because I was 14. And, you know, I've always told my kids that the only thing that I do as a parent is I love the hell out of you. I try to figure out what you can do for a living that will make you happy and fulfilled. And the last thing is for me to see around corners that you are unable to because human beings don't completely fuse their brain, they can't see around all the corners until they're 25. And I, I take it back to mm. the twins being, you know, I think they were like seven years old and we had a, a toddler, like an 18 month toddler. Uh, we were at kind of a pool party and they were circling this toddler, just circling, 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 you know, don't go in the way, don't go in the way. Don't go. And I was just sitting back, just, you know, really prideful. And my kids are just so cool. Um, yeah, I'm like everybody else and I love my kids. Um, anyways, at the end of that night, I asked my kids, I said, guys, why were you so worried about that, you know, about like, drowning? Because you can't swim. And I was like, well, he should know he shouldn't be able to swim, right? No, he's a baby. And then I go, hmm. So you know if you couldn't swim, what would happen if you jumped in the water? You'd drown, right? Mm. Yeah. So he's dumb. Is he dumb? Because you should know that. He should know that. God, what a dumb kid. And they were like, he's a baby. And I said, exactly. 
That's a sing around the corner thing, guys. That's what parents do. And I'm a yes parent all the way, all the way through for everything, unless it's a corner that you can't see around. So you cannot see around it. It's not that you're stupid. It's not that there's something wrong with you. But when I say this is a corner thing to my kids, they go, uh, because that's, that's factual. You're not, you're not putting them down. It's just factual. And, and speaking from that kind of point of view and just saying, listen, medical transition is permanent. It is very hardcore. All the studies say that, you know, there's, <laughs> they don't help all that kind of stuff. And it's definitely not a decision for a 14 year old to make. You could say that you're a lesbian at 14 and marry a dude at 25. Nothing could harm, nothing would be harmful with that. You medically transition at 14, you can't have kids and you have to you know, live your life looking like a gay person for the rest of your life, never having kids. And it's a huge, 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 huge thing. And instead of taking that away from kids you know, with the idea that, okay, you're stupid, no. Or just basically giving into it, we need to start parenting you know, and, and just saying, listen, if you think that you want to medically transition, that is a huge, huge, huge decision. Here's what I want you to do. Um, every Sunday, we're going to sit down and you're going to tell me one pro to medically transition. You're going to tell me one con. And we're going to do this for a couple of years. And if we get to the end of it and you're an adult and you want to do this, I will sew cheerleader outfits for wife, my wife or husband or whatever. And we will have glitter parties. We'll shoot the glitter as you go into the office, as, as you take your first uh, you know, hormone. But do your work first. And if mm. you don't come back with some kind of negative, what that tells me is that it's obvious you're not mature enough to make this commitment. And when you do that, that's the only place, when somebody doesn't fit and they're kind of sold that they might fit, that's the only way that I can see that you get somebody to look at the, the negatives and the, it's not going to work if you just start doing all the, you know, facts, you know, I hear that all the time in speeches and they're saying all the right things, but it, it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to pull some emotion with it. When they do that, their brain kind of goes from uh, what I call a looker to a buyer. And they find that information on their own and nobody goes through it and finds the negatives and thinks that it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. They just don't. And so giving your child the respect that, you know, I'm not going to say no, some people do medically transition and it helps them walk through life. Doesn't, you know, doesn't save any lives and you could be that person, but you know what, let's do the work first. At the end of that, you know, most people that I've told that to, or they're told that the, the, the kids just kind of snap out of it after a year, but you got a parent. Sorry. Yeah. You've got to put the work in because that's just it. I mean, as you said, parenting is a verb and yeah, without you. putting the work in, it just, uh, it's not going to happen. Well, look, Scott, this has been awesome. I really do appreciate you taking out the time to come and talk to us today. Uh, keep up the good work. You can find your website, Trey Voices. That's T-R-E Voices.org. Right. Uh, and on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter. I do want to say one thing, because you asked mm. about the, the fiscal side. I never cover mm. the fiscal side. And I really oh, absolutely. think I think that people need to understand the, the fiscal side from this, especially, you know, being in, in a different country. This will give you a pretty good perspective of why we're medically transitioning children. In Texas, in 2015, there were 22 kids that were on puberty blockers for transitioning. Um, now, in Texas, in 2015, our governor started to take $2.5 million dollars from a gender clinic in the Southwest, kind of siphoned through the UT Health Center. And during that process, uh, Texas became a worldwide hub for the medicalization of children. 
um, in 2015, 22 kids. Now, if you take those 22 kids and you reverse it to the four years that they, these kids usually are on puberty blockers, uh, you take that and pull that over. And that is about one point, uh, excuse me, $4.7 million over four, or four years that that, that would, uh, that would you know, generate in, in funds. That's a lot of money, right? Close to five, $5 million for 22 kids. Well, when he started taking that money, that jumped to 2017, a 4,000% increase to the point where I think it's 4,023 kids were wow. now on puberty blockers. Now, from a money standpoint, this is just puberty blockers. Puberty blockers pretty much kind of locks them in to being medical, uh, you know, patients for life on synthetic hormones. It locks them into to surgery. I mean, it, this is kind of like, you know, a subscription uh, with Netflix times a million. Um, can't walk away from it. And if you take that $5 million, you compare it to what it would be for, um, you know, the 423. And guess how much that is? Oh, teens of millions, probably. Almost $100 million. Ooh. $93 million is, is what that comes to. Yeah. So that is what we're dealing with. We're also dealing with politicians like our, our governor, Abbott, that takes that money. Last year, we had a bill on the floor that would have banned the medicalization of children. Our uh, governor is a evangelical, does not agree with uh, same-sex marriage, which is fine. I'm totally okay with whatever anybody wants to believe, uh, but it's anti-LGBTQ. Um, four days before we voted on that bill, he took another $250,000 to his campaign. And for four days, he, he went through and said, oh, we need to accept people. He kind of lobbied to get that thrown off of the floor. So it didn't pass. Then three months later, after I called him about 56 million times, he realized uh, this dude is nuts. I, I'm not going to stop. My kids are attached to it, right? So I don't know if it came down to this. I have a kind of a feeling it did. Um, he came out and said that, uh, yeah, we did a little study and uh, your medical transition is child abuse. Well, that didn't stop anybody from medically transitioning children. It didn't stop one person, but he has all these articles that, you know, that say that he did. And then, you know, from, from that point of view, it didn't stop one person. And... <laughs> That is in itself, uh, I, I, uh, prison, really prison, I think. And we just passed a bill in, in, uh, in Texas that is the weakest bill. It, it takes out surgery, which surgery is the least evasive issues with health. It's the least cost tied to it. And what they kept in is going to guarantee they will get surgery later. It is a weak, weak, weak weak bill but that's why it's the money yeah well it's what they always say follow the money yeah well thank you so much if you ever get to this part of the world you're welcome any any time and we would love to have you back too as this whole unfolds so keep in touch because there is so much work really good work going on and thank you again for taking time to talk to us here at reality check all right be careful thank you if you have any comments or views on the interview with Scott, I'd love to hear them. Email me at inbox at realitycheck.radio. Stay tuned to hear about the underbelly of the knitting world. Trust me, you won't want to miss this. Coming up on Counterculture with Marie. You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Yeah, yeah. Reality Check Radio. Radio.